Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode five of season five of This Osteopathic Life. I hope you will bear with me and I hope my nasal passageways will be kind to us all during this time. I have literally been swimming in pollen, (laughs) literally and figuratively. There's so much pollen in the air here and it is in the lake. It's collecting there and I've been swimming. And it's it's there when I swim. So I've had more sneezing and congestion than I have ever had in my life. I don't identify as a person with seasonal allergies, but anything is possible. We did have some wildfire smoke here, which is a whole other experience to have that arrive directly in this Great Lakes state. We have had some of the haze come through from more remote fires, but we had a fire, active fire, about 50 miles east of where I live here in Northwest Michigan. And that brought up all kinds of thoughts and feelings and certainly impacted, right, the breathing for a while. It's thankfully cleared. It was relatively short-lived. That's the benefit of living not in a valley and having a lot of water access. But that was present. So my voice is a little gurbly and I might sneeze. We'll see how it all goes. I have this concept, this word that has come up for me. And looking back, I've had podcasts similar, similar ideas, but this one in particular really struck me this week. And I started to write about it in June. I'm embracing more of a writing, I won't say challenge, but invitation. Let's say I have no minimums. I'm not posting things specifically. It's available if that should transpire, but more so just being with words and concepts. And as I was writing it out, I thought, you know, I really would like this to be a podcast episode, the way it felt, right? It felt more conversational versus the way writing sometimes feels for me. So I'm bringing it here today and I talked about it in my own coaching session on Monday. It presented itself in some different conversations with colleagues over the last week or so. And there it is, right? That's often how these episodes transpire is what the universe is offering for me to share, to consider, to contemplate, to offer up and ways that I often learn through bringing these episodes forth. So that word is lull. And it's one of those, right? Semantic satiation. I've said it so many times in the last few days in typing conversations and putting it in my head. Can't lose all sense of meaning. And what an interesting word, right? Three of the same letter interrupted by a U. That single syllable. It's kind of an odd word to say lull, right? It's almost like, where do you even say those words? I'm bringing that through. And it feels to me like a synonym for pause. And we've talked about that really quite early on in the pandemic, this grand pause and the reset that comes after it. And also with similarities there, but also lull feels different. So thinking about what it means, what it feels like, what judgments come through and noting that it's a word with definitions and largely they're neutral. 
I expected to see some more negative connotations with it. And then I recognized that that is really what I was putting onto that word. And I realized as well that I was giving that sensation, that feeling to the word because I thought I had to. If I really distilled down to how I actually felt about that word, about that experience, about that moment in my life, if really I am in a lull of some sort, it actually felt soothing. And of course, that brings me to this idea of a lullaby and where it came from. And it is meant to be a soothing process. It has that lull you to sleep aspect. And not even necessarily to sleep, but the soothing component of it. Looking at it, right, is a Middle English origin, imitating the sound used to quieten (laughs) a child. Thinking about lull. And would you say that? I don't know if I've ever said lull. But thinking about the sound that it makes, that guttural sound in the throat, if you say lull and feel it in the vibration that happens in your chest. And it can be a soothing drink, a Latin, lalare, sing to sleep, Swedish lulla, hum a lullaby, Dutch lullen, talk nonsense, right? And this essence of kind of, I don't say hypnotizing, but soothing, inviting you into a restful space. And as I thought of that, in the comfort, the embrace, that sensation that comes from it, thinking about what is the problem with lull? Is there any? Are we assigning it? Do we have to? So looking at the definitions around the verb, to calm or send to sleep, typically with soothing sounds or movements, and thinking about rocking, right? Think about rocking, rockabye baby, being in a rocking chair. I think about the waves. As I mentioned, swimming in pollen. Yesterday was one of the first really wavy days of swimming. And I will note as well that I've been able to swim since Memorial Day very comfortably, which is both lovely and odd. And yesterday were pretty big waves. And thankfully, the bay is relatively protected from undercurrent. So you can swim. And again, doing so mindfully with awareness, knowing and trusting the power of water and respecting, I should say, as well. But you also can ride the waves. And I say you, I mean me and whomever feels like they can swim in that open water. They choose to. And I love a flat water day. You can cruise, you can find speed. It's easier to sight things. But I really do love the wavy day. And it does feel like you're more connected with the water because you're moving with it. And when it's flat and calm, you're moving through it. When there are waves, you really do have to kind of time your breathing, right? You can get a sense of where I am. I'm at the crest of the wave. Is it safe to turn my head? What's going to be presented to me in this space? And so there was that sense of being rocked, being held by the water. To abate or to fall quiet, right? So for something to lull, right? The conversation lulled. And there too, there is so much pressure and cultural drive to fill all the spaces. And I remember specifically being on the phone with a friend many years ago now, and 12 years ago now, time flies, time flies. And there were pauses in the conversation, there were lulls. And so often, especially on the phone, you almost think, well, did I lose the connection? But really it was okay, right? There was time and there was space to just let things be and not having to always fill it up. I notice that sometimes on calls, especially in group coaching calls, there can be these pauses and there can be this uncomfortability in that silence. And also many times 
people are processing, they're integrating, they're considering what they might have to say, they're being more mindful of the process. And that lull is totally appropriate in giving ourselves permission to be okay with that lull. Looking at the noun version, right? Temporary interval of quiet or lack of activity. Thinking about that, and here is where I looked at what was being presented internally, externally to me, and that there was simple fact around it. There was no, there's a lull and it's a problem, but if we look at a lull as a temporary, and notice that, right? It means there is a resumption that is happening. Interval of quiet or lack of activity. And if I look at this relative to the programs of my business, I run coaching programs for physicians and medical students and residents and other healthcare professionals all across the country at all stages of their education, training, practice in different group settings, also in one-on-one spaces. And this time of year, there often is a lull. People are on vacation, right? Programs often begin in September. There's that natural sense of the start of the school year, right? That natural segue into learning and curriculum that happens. Also at the start of the year, January is a common time for programs to begin. Again, because it is, it's a new year and we're rejuvenated and we're energized and we're interested in this learning space. Not to say it's not possible. I do have programs active in the summer, but it's less, right? It's less so in this moment in time. And that has been pretty true throughout, right? These cycles of programs over these past few years. There can be this sense of, oh no, what's going to happen? Where are these programs? Are they going to happen again, right? Is the lull, how long will the lull be, will happen on the other side? And what I realize is if I, again, allow myself to have that initial response to it, I'm appreciative, because summer is also right, when school lets out and my children will be home more frequently. So a lull in the workspace is quite welcome because it allows for greater accessibility of time, being able to go on trips to visit family and friends and embrace summer. It's also quite beautiful outside. And I do embrace the northern Michigan elements all year round. And actually, the winter was quite mild and I almost missed the volume of snow we could have, should have, would have had getting outside in all the seasons and loving the bikeability and the swimability of summertime. So what a gift for there to be a lull and open up space to really be in the elements, to tend to vegetables in the garden and to participate in events like movies out in the open space, which take place later in the evening in these summer hours when the days are so long. So absolutely. I think, thank goodness there's a lull. I love a lull, right? And I also notice this immediate sense of, am I allowed to have a lull? For all kinds of reasons, right? I could list all the different ones that don't seem like it's justified. And those are external voices. I just came from a teaching session with one of my programs, right? one that is live in this current season. And we were talking about where those narratives in our lives come from. So we often will have an inner critic, what you should be doing, that can come from you. We will have these societal expectations, right? We should always be working, right? And that sometimes is really part of our Western culture. We should be working more, right? We shouldn't have this downtime. If I'm working these many hours, so should you in these comparatives. So checking for those, what are the expectations? And then noticing too, what outer voices come in and where they come from. Sometimes they're from our childhood, might be familial, might be certain teachers. It can come from our training. I think about those outer voices that come in all along the way in the practice and training in medicine and just checking in with, huh, 
where does that come from? Why am I thinking that? Do I have to believe it? Is it true? And this idea that a lull is a problem, because we can simply say there are fewer active programs right now. That's a fact. It doesn't have to be good, bad, or otherwise. But if we say, I'm in a lull, and we hear, I'm in a rut, I'm going to be here forever, right? Notice how that can start to catastrophize and build on itself. You're playing this telephone game in your own brain. And we allow ourselves to come up for air. I just saw the live action Little Mermaid, loved it, laughed out loud. My daughter, there were some poignant moments. It's always interesting when you know, right? You know the outcome of this film because it's been done before, the story is there. So there's not the suspense of wondering what's going to happen, but how it's going to be presented is really fascinating. So an aside there, but coming up for air and saying, you know what? Yes to the lull. And here's what I also notice. I think about past lulls. So we often go to past experience, right? Our brain's looking for proof that we have come out the other side of this lull so that we don't have to panic while we're there. And as I look in the past, one of the most significant lulls in my life, and right, has this word lost all meaning for you <laughs> yet as well, was in that time of the early pandemic and really for that six-month arc. Right? So it was clinic closure for me and there were PPP loans which really just managed the overhead. I was wondering if I would go back to that space and see patients. Would I go back geographically to Oregon from Michigan? And there's a lot of wondering and waiting. So it was a lull. There was a sense of dormancy in the lull. And there was also a lot of this active, swirly energy around what am I going to do, right? I've never been in this space. I'd gone from working 60 hours a week in the clinic and coaching 20 hours a week in my gym and managing kids' teams and all these different pieces Two, like everything was shut down, right? We were all in this space of closure. And I say all, obviously, with the asterisk that many of my colleagues in medicine were working more than overtime, right? So certain factions were shut down, others were ramped up. And for me, in that moment, right, there was this clinical pause. It was in that time that I was in coach training, somewhat coincidentally. I didn't know there was a pandemic. I'd already enrolled, and there it was in that moment. And I'd always been a curriculum developer for students and for residents. I had put up some ideas of programs for this osteopathic life. And during that time, because right there was a temporary interval of quiet or lack of activity, I was able to build the curriculum that has become the foundation of a program I've now taught to many hundreds of physicians all across the country and collaborate with many dozens of coaches in these programs. And so there's that sense of what can be born of a lull. And what I notice is this hesitation to assign that requirement and to take the lull from being this restful space of quiet to a gestational space, which is quite active, right? Even though we can't necessarily see all of that. And we think about the pregnant belly and body. You can see, right? You can see the abdomen expanding but you can't see externally all the development that's happening inside. It's a very active process, right? and it can be fatiguing, it can be exhilarating, it can be energizing. Every person, right, every pregnant person experiences that differently. But there's a difference between a restful space and a gestational space. And I want to be very mindful that I'm not requiring the lull to grow something. And I think about the rotation of crops, Right? And I actually think about my garden beds, and I probably should have switched out which were where, but I had this sense of like, oh, the greens are in this corner. And so next season, right, maybe we'll change it up so that the soil is growing something different. But 
there are requirements, right, to allow fields to be at rest for a season or two, and I'm not an expert, right, but to allow the soil to regenerate and to rejuvenate and to be better prepared right, to grow something again in the future. So there's this requirement of this lull so that growth can happen. But I want to be very thoughtful and purposeful about letting spaces be restful and not necessarily preparatory or priming. And I'll, I'm going to tease that out a bit because there is this continuum where the dormancy, the downtime, the complete lack of focal activity is really a step right on that priming process. But there's a difference between putting all this energy in and making that space between where something has to be created. It's possible. It's possible for things to be born of a lull and for creativity to emerge because we're in a resting space. But there is intention to be had here. And I'm speaking for me. It's the only person I can speak for. Of letting the rest be the rest. I think about a different lull in my life when I had the abdominal injury and I really was taken away from all activity. The only thing I was allowed to do was see patients wearing a binder, mostly seated. But I was not allowed to walk. I had to get rides for transport. I wasn't allowed to train in any way, shape, or form. Couldn't lift anything, right? It was a very dormant space. And that did feel different than gestational spaces. And in my first pregnancy, I was not allowed to participate in physical activity because I was having preterm contractions. We couldn't be sure what the outcome of that might be. So it was another time, right? That activity was changed. Although then I did hustle and bustle all around as I was a fourth year medical student. So I was running through the hospital rotations. I just wasn't running (laughs) on the roads or a treadmill for workouts. Thank goodness, right? I was able to stay pregnant to term. My oldest was born very much a robust newborn (laughs) or six month old based on his size. So as we look at these spaces and what we are hoping for, expecting, requiring of them, notice if we can allow there to be truly restful dormancy in a lull. And yes, we can hold perspective that because we are allowing for rest and perhaps following that space of true rest, then something might be invited to emerge. But not energetically forcing that to happen. Now I think about lull, I think about nothing, like we talked about in previous episodes this season. And so much of the lull still does have movement. And so I think about going on perhaps a retreat where you really did do nothing else besides be. Right, that might be a completely restful lull. So even in this lull, with fewer programs, although still programs and pending programs, there is much that is going on. But noticing the way it is approached and embraced and offered up and checking the levels of intensity. And that was another concept that came through for me because I look at the energy and intensity that was in that lull back in 2020, and it would be helpful to go through and see what happened when. And I'd say March until July was fairly lullish. There was some activity in different social media groups as that was really growing when we could not be in person connected with one another in that time. But from July to September, it was 
big energy and lots of activity and many hours coaching and training and cultivating and networking and all those pieces. And totally necessary, totally appropriate for that time, right? The early stages of entrepreneurship are really associated with a lot of big energy, usually, right? I'll say it doesn't have to be. Nothing is ironclad and steadfast and required, but commonly, right, that is how we approach those stages. We think about hustle culture. And in this lull, it's different. And some of it is because, right, there's been this history and this foundation laid of these programs, but also I am different, right? And there's intensity of my energy for other reasons, for survival in those days in 2020 into 2021. And there's still survival, right, always, but on a different level with different degrees of awareness, with open layers of healing that are happening and with a greater sense of confidence, right, that it is okay to have a different pace and time between and to not be producing every moment. And producing can look lots of different ways, right, that we can be putting out products, right, it's part of the name, writing, seeing patients, going to work, punching the clock, writing reports, putting up posts, networking, recording these episodes, right, all these different ways that we can be producers, and allowing for there to be time when we're not necessarily consuming or producing, we are just being, right? We're that field in rest. We embrace the lull. And what I notice is that I recognize that something will likely emerge from this. And it might be more of the same with perhaps some fine tuning. It might be similar, but presented to different audiences. It might be a curriculum that holds the same foundation but has different topical components. It might be the pivot of that specific audience where the program reaches where it has and then also into different corners of the medical world. There might be big pivots like there were in 2020 where entirely new spaces and systems are addressed utilizing these core concepts, skills that I have learned and grown and developed in this time. It might be opening up space locally. Now that we are in an in-person world, once again, at this moment, that any of those might emerge. And being gently curious, excited, hopeful, and also not feeling this need to know any sooner than when it emerges. And I'm not saying I'll just sit and wait And everything will just transpire, right? There is energy and action effort. But I would like to bring to that this energy of the lull, the ease, the gentleness. And it's interesting, words matter. And the word casual has come up for me, and that doesn't feel accurate or even appropriate. But gentle does, and ease does. And especially if I think about this osteopathic life and the principles we've talked about over these five seasons, Right, finding the ease, inviting the ease, treating to the ease, bringing that space in to allow the system to integrate. And that is where I am with this lull. And I do notice, of course, thoughts will bubble up that, oof, I need to be doing more. And I can turn to that and look at that and notice that and acknowledge that. And sometimes say, yeah, right, today's a day to dive in and investigate or to create. 
And even these episodes of the podcast, right? There was a lull. There was a temporary interval of quiet or lack of activity on the podcast. And there were times when I thought, will I ever open this up again? Will I just fall into that basket of all the podcasts that begin and then never make it past X number of episodes or seasons? And I gave myself permission to be okay with whatever was and accept, right? To notice there is no right or wrong. To be with what is, is where we were last night in our teaching session. And I did say, right now, there are no episodes and that is okay. And I was fairly confident episodes would emerge. I wasn't sure when. As I noted, I had a number of them come through my head. I recorded quite a few that I just didn't publish. didn't feel like the right time or space or place or words to be shared. Recording them right, was really the act for me. And then words came through and the music emerged and it felt like the right time to bring that forward. And we could still say, right, this is an interval that classifies as a lull because there were times when I had multiple episodes per week in an episode a day when we did that November month back in season three, I think it was. I'll have to look back. (laughs) And so just checking in with what energy you're bringing to a space, to a time, to an activity, to an expectation, and noticing that you can decide. And that creativity born of gentleness, of an easier space, pace, way of being might be really fascinating to recognize what it is that actually does emerge. So as I am here in this lull, in this space, being open to whatever emerges. Now, as I look at, I always have two different spaces where I bring definitions forward. And really we have touched on the majority of these, but I want to acknowledge where some of these concerns come from and what a lull can mean. And this one is to cause to relax vigilance in the sense of being lulled into a false sense of security. And so the trickery of a lull, right, is something that does give me pause, no pun intended, but we'll open and embrace that there. And seeing how can we misuse Abuse a lull. And instead of allowing it to be this safe and secure, gentle, kind resting place, to be a trap, right? And to have the sense of, I can't let down my guard. And noticing that for me, historically, lulls were that dangerous space. And there was this requirement to always be anticipating what could happen in different scenarios and what could I do. And to have built a world, an environment, a life where there is safety and security. And if it is me for a time, just being with my thoughts, that is okay. And I don't have to answer to anyone or to justify or get permission or to apologize. And that might all seem very clear, obvious, given for the majority of the world. I did not know that that wasn't the norm for people. And it can seem bizarre to say that, but it's important to notice why a lull might be different in different stages of our lives and healing and awareness. So I'm grateful to be able to be in a lull with a much different sense of safety and security. I also want to note that we use the word lull, right? The temporary calm 
before or during a storm, right? Being in the eye of the hurricane, having that brief pause and then boom, all the storm comes. My friend was sending me pictures and video of a really beautiful sky, which was then filled with lightning and thunder and rain. And so there can be this calm and this glory and this beauty, and then a storm can arise. And noticing there too, that can be why we aren't necessarily at ease in a lull. And while I think it is so important to be aware, to be prepared, I think about the serenity prayer or the Dalai Lama's version that, you know, if worry doesn't change it, it's of no use. So if you can change it, change it. And if you can't, worry has no place for you. And so being aware that, yes, a storm can arise and also trusting that you can weather the storm. You can ride the waves. You have the strength. You have the capacity. And because that is true of you, it can allow you to be in that space, be in that lull, be in that temporary calm, even if it's before a storm or welcome activity, confidently, because you know you can handle what comes next. So why not be at ease, be in joy with the lull? So that is where we are today. I'd love to hear from you and your experience of a lull. Visit me on Instagram at This Osteopathic Life, on Facebook. Send me an email, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Open up the discussion and we'll meet here again. And I do think some conversations will arise this season. I wasn't entirely sure, but as I have been with the energy and what has been part of the joy and what has been born of lulls in the past, it really is the connection and collaboration. So I look forward to sharing some of those episodes with you and being back here again next week. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.